Welcome to the Climb Your Mountain podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Maurer, a certified personal trainer, high altitude mountaineer, and ultra runner. Each week, I show you how to train, eat, think, and live like a mountaineer so you can boost your chances of reaching the summit. My passion is to empower people of all ages and sizes to get outside and live lives of adventure. Remember, mountain climbing will never be easier than today. So let's dive into the show. Could hiking an ultra marathon help you feel more fit and confident for all your outdoor adventures? If you're drawn to hiking sickening distances in a single day, this episode is for you. Hey, it's your host, Sarah. And for those of you who follow me on Instagram, you may have seen that I hiked an ultra marathon last weekend. And the one that I did is called the Four Pass Loop. It's in Colorado. It's about 30 miles long and has about 8,000 feet of vertical gain. And ever since I posted about it, the questions have been pouring in. People want to know, like, what do you eat? What kind of shoes do you wear? Where do you poop? How do you train? So in today's episode, I'm going to answer all those questions for you and much more. So let's start with the most basic question, and that is, what is an ultra marathon exactly? Basically, an ultra marathon is any hike, run, walking event that is longer than a marathon, so longer than 26.2 miles. There are actual races that are ultra marathon distance. Some common distances are the 50K, which is actually only like 31 miles. So if you've run a marathon, a 50K is not a huge stretch for you. 50 miles is a common distance. 100 miles and 100K are common distances. Any distance over a marathon distance is an ultra marathon. And when most people think about an ultra marathon, they think about an organized race that's on a set course. Often it is staffed by volunteers, it has aid stations. It's like a road race that you would see in your town, like a marathon or a half marathon. It just happens to be longer. And if you're thinking about doing your first ultra marathon, that's one option for you. But another way to do an ultra marathon is just to make your own. You can just go on a very long hike, and there are some popular trails that are considered ultra marathon, ultra hiking. So two that are very common are this four pass loop that I just did, and then hiking back and forth across the Grand Canyon in one day, which is called the Rim to Rim to Rim. That's about 42 miles, 11,000 feet of vert. It's It's a pretty big ultra hike. And your ultra hike doesn't even have to be anything famous. Any loop or any point to point trail that you decide you want to hike that's longer than 26 miles is an ultra marathon. So you can do a course or you can totally make your own. One question that comes up commonly is, are ultra marathons just for runners? Absolutely not. If you actually watch a formal ultra race on a course, you'll see that almost no one other than maybe the very, very elite athletes is running the entire time. And some people are actually walking most of the course. It's, it's interesting because whenever we think of a marathon, we think of people running the entire time. Ultra marathon is really different. It's more of a hiking slash running event. And some people actually walk the entire way. If you're going to do that on a formal course, you should probably pick a race that has a pretty long cutoff time. There's a time of the day when they close the course. And then if you're still on the course, you'll need to return to the starting line. They'll often have a shuttle that can take people. But if you're organizing your own ultra marathon outside, you can be out there all day, all night if you want to. You can take naps in the middle. There 
there's no cutoff time. So in that case, many people actually do walk the entire way. On the four-pass leap this weekend, we had three trail runners. I was one of them. And when I say trail running, I use that very loosely. I'd be surprised if I ran 25% of that route. Most of the time I was hiking and there were people with us that hiked the entire thing and they actually set out to do it that way. So certainly you can hike or walk an ultra marathon. It is done all the time. It's a lot of fun. So one question that may come to mind is, why would I put myself through this? This sounds grueling. And I think it's true that hiking an ultra marathon isn't necessarily for everyone. But if it's something that is appealing to you, here's a couple of reasons it's really, really cool. So one reason I really like ultra marathon hiking is that you can get out into the deep backcountry, see all these amazing things, and you do it in a single day. And then you go home. You don't need to backpack. You don't need to stay overnight. You don't need to schlep all your stuff up over a pass on your back. So it's faster. And for some people who really have trouble carrying a backpack because of trouble with their shoulders or previous injury, the ultra hiking thing can be a good solution for them. They can get out and see the same things, do the same things, and not have to carry a pack. Many people also use ultra hikes as training. For example, if you're going to do a really tough mountaineering climb that's going to require you to be moving and climbing for many, many hours, hiking an ultra marathon can actually be good mental and physical preparation for that. You're probably going to be out anywhere between 15 and 24 hours during your ultra marathon if you hike it. So it can be an incredible confidence booster to know that you can keep moving for that long and to know that you can be okay mentally and physically. It's not going to feel good the entire time. You're not going to be happy the entire time, but you have, you'll realize that you have what it takes to keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep moving forward. And to see yourself do that is pretty amazing. And you can take that confidence with you to the mountain and feel less anxious go into it knowing that you are ready. So I think that's actually one of the biggest benefits of ultra hiking for mountaineers. It really does give your mindset such a huge boost. So another question that comes up all the time is what kind of gear do you need? And my answer is it really depends on the nature of your ultra marathon. If you're going to be on a course, you can really do the whole thing without a whole lot of gear because there's going to be volunteers, there's going to be aid stations, there's going to be places where you can actually place your gear ahead of time. For example, if you're going to be out at night, you can leave your headlamp at one of the aid stations in a bag and come and pick it up. And then at the aid station, You'll have a place where you can refill your water. People will give you food. In normal times, before COVID, they gave you burritos and pizza and donuts and really delicious things. And I hear that that's all gone now. They're just giving like things that are packaged or whole pieces of fruit that you can grab with your hands. So it's a little different now. But if you're doing an actual course, there will still be some nourishment available along the trail no matter what. So you won't have to carry as much 
much stuff. You're still going to, depending on the location, want to have some of your survival gear, your extra layers, and then, of course, some snacks for in between the aid stations, some food, some water. And I would say at the races, most people you see will be going at pretty light. Instead of wearing hiking boots, they're probably going to be wearing trail runners. Instead of a backpack, they may be wearing a hydration vest. Um, They may or may not carry poles. There are actually very lightweight poles that you can get that can actually be used for running and ultra hiking. So at races, you'll see people going super light. For people that make their own ultra marathon hike, what they bring is probably going to depend on how far into the backcountry they get. So if, for example, my friend and I, when we were previewing a race course a couple of weeks ago, this particular race course was pretty close to civilization. It started at a state park. It kind of skipped between parking lots. There were places for us to fill up water, places to go to the bathroom. Like if something would happen to us, there was cell service the entire way. So so our gear on that was pretty minimal. We did take extra food, but other than that, it was pretty light. We went in our vests. We went in our trail runners. For something like the Grand Canyon R2R2R, for the four-pass loop, where you're getting into true wilderness, where it's difficult to bail out or arrest would be difficult. You're going to take a lot more gear. Not only will you be taking all the food you need for the course, you'll probably be taking water purification so that you can refill your water along the way. You may be taking extra clothes because you have to be prepared for all kinds of conditions. You'll be taking your first aid kit, your headlamp, all the survival gear that you normally take. It may be a little bit lighter, but you're going to need to take it with you. So in that case, you may opt for an actual backpack instead of a hydration vest, just so that you can fit everything in. To give you an idea on the four-pass loop, I'll describe some of the gear that I took. I actually have a hydration vest that's huge. It has a ton of storage. It has 12 liters of storage, which may not sound like much, but the compartments are stretchy, so you can fit so much into this vest. And, and I look like the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man when I'm wearing it with all the stuff inside. It looks really, really funny, but it works. And on that particular course, water was abundant, so I just took some iodine tablets so that I could refill my water bladder a couple of times on the course. I didn't need to carry a huge amount of water at any one time, maybe about two liters. Because I was running parts of this course, I wore my trail runners, but most people that were with me wore hiking boots. And I did not use poles, but one thing I decided with that 8,000 feet of vert I'm going to get some poles. I think they really would have helped me, especially at the end as I was starting to get more tired and stumble a lot on the way down. Another question you may have, how fit do you need to be to do an ultra marathon? And there's really no hard and fast rule, but a couple of guidelines that I would definitely give you as someone that's an endurance sports coach. First of all, I wouldn't do this if you're a brand new beginner or if you've actually been hiking for less than a year. And here's my rationale for that. Physically, as far as your cardiovascular system, you may actually be able to do this after a couple of months. Your cardiovascular, your heart, your lungs, it's all going to be feeling pretty good when you hike. What's not going to be ready for months or even maybe up to a year is your muscles, your bones, your connective tissue. That really takes a lot of time to toughen up to the pounding of being out there for 15 
20 hours putting 30 to 50 miles under your feet. So because of that, there's actually, if you go too soon, there's actually a higher risk of injury. And, and you know, none of us want to get injured. Getting a repetitive stress injury or an acute injury even, it's not going to help you reach your goals. It's just going to slow you down. So Play, I really urge you to play it safe. Don't try to hike an ultra marathon until you've been, like I said, going for about a year. You have a lot of time on your feet. And you've also done some long hikes, kind of building up to that. It doesn't necessarily have to be. For example, if you're doing the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim, you don't got to hike 40 miles before you hike 42. But maybe you want to try hiking like 20, 25, just to make sure your, your body's up to that. You're not feeling too beat up afterwards. And as far as the training, it really is the same training that you're doing for mountaineering. Just getting out there, getting as much time on your feet as possible, getting in some long hikes if you can. If, if doing a long hike is difficult where you live, you can do two kind of long-ish, medium to long-ish hikes on back-to-back days is another way that you can do it just to get yourself used to hiking on tired legs. Some people wonder if you should be trying to go fast, and, and there are there is some benefit to putting some intensity in your workouts, especially if your ultra marathon will be at elevation. But during the ultra marathon you're, itself, you're really, if you're doing it right, going to be going pretty slow. You're probably going to be hiking slower than you normally hike or running slower than you normally run. So in preparation, the emphasis is more on the endurance part and the distance than it is on intervals and the intensity. Another question that comes up a lot is, what do you eat? <laughs> like I mentioned, if you're at an actual race event, they will, they will feed you quite a bit. They will have aid stations with food. And then in between, you just want to have some high-carb snacks that you can munch on. If you're doing a DIY ultra marathon, really spend some time thinking about your food. Depending on how fast you're moving, you're going to want to be ingesting like 150 to 300 calories an hour, 30 to 90 grams of carbs an hour. I know those are big ranges. It depends a lot, like I said, on how fast you're going. And then also the size of you. Bigger people need more fuel, right? So generally, you want very carb-dense, nutrient-dense, calorie-dense food. If you think about it, if you try to put like 30 rice cakes in your hydration vest, it's not going to fit, right? There are many packaged options that you can buy, things like goos, gels, bars, some people use candy. The downside of that is, A, it just starts to get old after a while. Just eating sweet stuff all the time doesn't taste great. B, you can actually start to experience what ultra marathoners call gut rot if you eat too much sweet stuff. And what happens is all that sweet stuff, after you're out there moving for like 15, 20 hours, it just starts to ferment in your gut. And then you start to have some gastrointestinal distress, which you definitely don't want out there in the wilderness or in the middle of your ultra marathon race. And then C, a lot of times really sweet food doesn't have enough sodium. If you're sweating during your ultra marathon, you're going to want to replace those electrolytes. And sodium is the key one that you need to replace. 
So what's the alternative to all this packaged stuff, especially if you don't have aid stations that are feeding you pizza and burritos? I really am a big fan of making my own hiking food portables. A few of the things I really love are potato patties, pancakes. You can actually mix the syrup into the pancakes so it tastes really sweet and delicious without making a mess. Same for waffles. I actually have a waffle I make that tastes like pizza. It's got cheese mixed into the batter and pepperoni. So it tastes amazing on the trail. And portables are kind of a hot topic right now. I will definitely, in the show notes, include some of my favorite cookbooks for portables. There are several out there that are good, so definitely check those out if you like the idea of having real food on trail. And speaking of real food, having like at least one real meal is a lifesaver. This weekend, in the middle of the floor pass loop, the woman I was hiking with pulled out a slice of pizza, and I think I was salivating while she was eating it. I'm like, oh, that just looks incredible. And I know when I did the Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim, I actually carried a subway, like, half of a Subway sandwich down the canyon in my hydration pack. And I remember like the night before thinking it was going to be so heavy and such a pain. And then down in the canyon when I was, I had gone up down the South Rim, up the North Rim and come back down. And then I was like, just getting into the hot part of the day. I was very tired and I took out the sandwich and ate it. And it was like magic. Like I felt like a different person and it tasted like so effing good too. (laughs) When you're really hungry, food just tastes really good. So consider taking some real food with you, even if it's a little bit heavier and definitely consider cooking or making some of your own hiking snacks. It's a lot of fun, and they taste a lot better than the cat food bars, especially when you're trying to fuel eating every hour or half hour for 20 hours. You really need to have things that taste good because that will help you to eat more and fuel better. So last question, what's it really like to hike 30 miles or 50 miles? I've never hiked 50 miles, so I can't actually tell you, but 30 to 45 I've done. And what does that really feel like? What can you expect? My answer is it kind of feels like life. (laughs) It has flashes of brilliance. It has flashes of hopelessness and despair and just being so over it. But the vast majority of the time, you're really just kind of in the zone and you're focused on moving forward. So very much like our real life. And just like life stuff happens. I I know in the four past loop, I got lost. I got my friend who was following me lost, which made me feel really bad. But we got found as often happens in real life too. And you just also kind of watch yourself go through all the feelings. There was one point in the middle where we were hiking with the rest of the group for a while and people were talking and I was just kind of in a place, I was like behind on my hydration and my fuel where I was really crabby and I'm just like quiet and cranky and just thinking in my head, oh, just make them stop talking. And then an hour later, after I had a chance to rest for a few minutes and kind of had my fuel catch up, I was feeling amazing again. And probably the one that was talking everyone's ear off. Another thing that happened is on the four pass leap, there are the four passes and there's one in the middle called trail rider that really sucks. It kind of depends on which direction you're going, but the direction we went, that's the one that sucks the most. It's like so hard. It's so long. We hit it kind of in the middle of the day when the sun was on us. And I started it feeling very strong. And then two hours later, like right 
right at the top, like I was sitting beside the trail, not hiking and just feeling like I was going to throw up. And another hiker from our group came by and she's like, hey, just walk with me. And we walked very slowly to the top. And, you know, it felt bad in the moments. But once we got to the top, I started going down. I felt better. I was fine for the rest of the hike. That actually happened about 16 miles in of the 30s. It worried me a little, but you really see how resilient your body is, how you can bounce back from things, how you get tired, you get your second wind. You just come to trust your body and its capabilities on a whole other level. It's something that you don't experience ever in daily life to put your body through that. And that's why I think if this is something that's calling to you, you should definitely try it because it's going to be such a great mindset exercise for your mountaineering adventure for all your outdoor adventures that you're going to go on for the rest of your life. So there you have it. All my best tips on hiking and ultra marathon. I really hope that if this is something that calls to you, you give it a try. The two that I've done, the Grand Canyon and then this Four Pass Sleep, have been two of my favorite hikes I've ever done in my life. They just both felt so epic and amazing. They're both beautiful hikes, which helps. But just the feeling of accomplishment, of being able to do this thing is life-changing, I think, for some people. So definitely check it out. If you have questions, you can always reach me through my website, through the Facebook group. And thanks so much for tuning in. I will talk to you soon. Take care. Hey friend, if you're enjoying the pod, there are two simple and free ways you can show your support. First of all, please share this with a friend who might find it helpful. And second, please leave a review on iTunes. Your support means the world to me. Thanks so much for tuning in.